We have a podcast for you when you're not gonna like it. Gentlemen, welcome to the Six Chud Podcast. My name is Nick Nunziata. With me is the Lion, Justin Waddell, the Witch, Russ Fisher, and the Wardrobe, Steve Murphy. A stoic performance. Yeah. Everybody's excited about this movie. They've been buzzing about it all year, right? I mean, this is the... Yeah, the, I mean, every Sunday somebody's talking about it. It's the Christian adventure movie of the year. <laughs> right back into it. <laughs> I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, like, we've been kind of joking before the show about the uh, slight subtext in the books and in the film but uh, I mean honestly you know it, it, it doesn't exist for any reason other than the fact that Lord of the Rings Harry Potter and the DVD release of young Sherlock Holmes have all happened and really just changed the face of uh, the, the climate the film climate a lot of people think that, that the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe is going to go the way of the Lemony Snicket non-film franchise in, in other words one film and done Hmm. Yeah, or or it, Midnight yeah, Express. Right, Midnight Express was the same way. True. <laughs> but you're right because the Lemony Snicket movie wasn't successful as successful mm-hmm. as they thought it would be. And then, but the, you, I, I think this movie looks like it's going to make some money though, for sure. I don't think there will there will be a Prince Caspian or I Voyage really, of the Dawn Treader. I really hope they don't do another. one I, I can't imagine them doing a. That's an awkward title. Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Hmm? Voyage of the Dawn Treader. It's an awkward title. It won't sell. Well, you never know. But Lion, they're going to call it is The Chronicles of Narnia, colon, The Voyage of the Dawn Trader. That helps. Yeah. I'd go see that. I don't know. But this, Good thing s- none of the books are called Oscopy. <laughs> but, uh, that sets up your own joke. Why would... <laughs> why would explain this. The, Russ and I haven't seen this film yet, but Steve and Nick both have seen it. Yes. So I see the trailer for this movie, and it looks exactly like Lord of the Rings. You've got the same sweeping There are a few shots of people walking from a... You see them from above, and you see them walking on snow. This looks... And it revolves around them. This film looks far more sugary than Lord of the Rings uh, in that the effects are, in most cases, too clean. They're too pristine. And and, and the presence of Bob Mould. <laughs> and it is it is a Klaus bloodless Barbie. movie, right? I mean, there are there's fighting, but there's no no violence, right? No, hardly. Yeah, I, you know what? Now that you mention that, I don't recall seeing any blood in this film. There's no blood, and and most of the people who die in it are brought back to life. And I'm not spoiling the film, except for oh, there are some eagles that get the shit taken out of them, and a phoenix. And they oh, deserve they, it. <laughs> there's a phoenix who sizzles. Wait, Glenn Fry's in the movie? Yeah, yeah, he is. The Eagles took Joe Walsh the Walsh opens up for Joe Walsh. The Eagles I, I are not coming last show. The Eagles are not. Uh, Tilda Swinton the, the plays thematic, Joe Walsh. The thematic Eagles are not coming back. Yeah, there, you know, there's this thing where uh, the White Witch, played by Tilda Swinton, mm-hmm. uh, she turns all these people to stone. Yep. And uh, they're lying. She lives in a castle surrounded by all these people that she's captured, all of her enemies. Hmm. I wonder if that's going to be reversed and they're going to come back to haunt her. So tell me, Tilda Swinton in 2005, Constantine or The Chronicles of Narnia, colon, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe? Honestly, I, 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 I didn't think she was that strong in Constantine. Oh, I thought she was great in that movie. And I didn't like her in this. She seemed, she, she seemed like she was really uh, weak, out of her depth. I loved her in Constantine. I thought she was the person in that film who be- who delivered the dialogue best. I thought she really handled the, the oh, goofy... Storm- what about Storm Era? Well, no. I think what she about, trumped Storm Era. What about Mammon? <laughs> huh? No. No. 
about LaBeouf? <laughs> about LaBeouf? Uh, I mean, no, I mean, La- like, La- I, thought, La- please. I thought it was a good stunt casting in, in Constantine, but I didn't think there was any one performance or anything that was like, you know. I mean, I love the movie. I just thought she was. Getting back to the line, she didn't have, in the wardrobe. She didn't have eyes. Explain to me the scene where they first, when the little girl first uncovers the wardrobe. What's to explain? In the trailer, you're talking about the slang. In the trailer, in the trailer, they show it in slow motion. Did they keep that in the movie? I don't remember the, the big reveal of the wardrobe. Yes, they did. Yeah, the there, slow-mo. there are. I think there are. No, there's only one reveal. Yeah, and and it was in slow motion. Because she comes in, they're playing hide and seek, and she runs upstairs, goes into the room, and at the very end of the room is this huge covered did you, object. And you, and you guys know that um, Kenneth Branagh did the voice of the wardrobe. <laughs> He's like, rifle through my drawers. <laughs> and that was my Kenneth Branagh impersonation. <laughs> a lot of sounds a lot like you. <laughs> there is a lot of you in that... There's the a lot of there's a lot of me and Kenneth's that, drawers. That was, that was a, a dead again homage. Yeah. <laughs> so yes, the so reveal the wardrobe, the wardrobe was revealed in slow motion. In in slow motion, yes, it was. Excellent. Which would have been funny if if you didn't know what movie you were watching and that was like a big reveal. That was what, the money shot. What I'm what I'm I getting from money. this so far is that in this whole gigantic fantasy movie, the only thing we can talk about is whether or not the wardrobe was in slow motion. Well, here's the thing, like. <laughs> Like, there's a really cool aspect to it. I mean, like, the armies of... Wait, 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 wait. The wardrobe is always in slow motion. It's a wardrobe. The wardrobe is not moving. <laughs> Continue. If, no, no, here's here's what I would say. If I was the director, I would have kept the slow motion reveal of the wardrobe, you know, being uncovered, but then I would have gone further. And ha- when, and I would have had, like, a piece of tissue over, like, the actual handle of the wardrobe. I would have shot her taking out the tissue in slow motion as well to reveal the handle. They should have kept would the you, rest would of you the... Would you have focused in to catch the little dust motes? Exactly, yeah, in the slow motion. motion. The rest of the film should have been in slow motion. Felt like it. That's <laughs> true. Uh, How long was the film? Because it felt like 40 days. And uh, wait, No, thought, it felt I, like... I thought you were going to pull a Noah on us. Um, no. No. Or Harrison. Noah. But um, no, I don't, I don't know. But the thing I was going to say before we got sidetracked with slow-moving desks and shit because um, wardrobes are desks, uh, is there's a really cool aspect to the movie, though, because, like, the armies of good and evil are populated by animals. So you've got, like, this... Like, that big battlefield sequence they show off in the trailer is creatures of every shape and size squaring off against each other, and, and the possibilities are huge there. And the then, possibilities are huge. And then the battle starts, and you see fatherhood. <laughs> I mean, there's very, very little shit that you get to see that's so, interesting. Exactly. So when you see the forces of good and evil, I mean, I haven't read the books in years. Are they stereotypical kind of, you know, the badgers are bad and the, you know, the white mice are good or... Um, the wolves, which the guy who plays the lead wolf is one of the worst vocal performances I've ever seen in an animated character, literally. I mean, ever. And... Uh, uh, yeah, and and the beavers are good, and well, the wolves of the police. I heard that the the police of the, <laughs> the wolves of the police for the white witch. I don't recall seeing mice in it, so you could be a liar on that. Badgers. Wait, are, no, the rats. The rats. Just rats uh, save Jesus from his ropes. Oh, Aslan. That's right. They 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 bite through his ropes. Yep, that's right. After he's dead, <laughs> they bite through his ropes. Yeah, yes. I heard that. <laughs> um, Moving on. I mean, there's some interesting potential, but I think it, it. You know, first of all, it's 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 made for people who are younger than us. I mean, they're they're. It's made for like if I was like nine, 
Mm-hmm. If I was nine and I'd never stepped out of Bible college, I would worship this movie. You know who else is going to end up worshiping this movie? <laughs> <laughs> Coat thieves. <laughs> Can you tell us why? I'll gladly tell you why. Towards the beginning, when the children first enter Narnia, they have to go through the wardrobe, of course. So when they do that... Speed it up, Steve. There are, no, I'm taking my time. I've got to build this up. It's all I've got. <laughs> That's the truth. There's about 40, 40 again. There's about 40 coats in the wardrobe. And, it's, and uh, so what they do is they take the coats, enter Narnia. It's all snowy and it's all cold. So they're running around Narnia with the coats. They never. Narnia is a, no. is a mythical land inside the closet, by the way. <laughs> they never return said coats. Well, I mean, okay. They steal the professor's Here's another coats. spoiler. Um, they live in that land for 30 years. Yes, they do. So the coats are... are I don't know if Daddy would want the coats They'd be back. out of fashion. 30 years Narnia time is two seconds human time. <laughs> It'd be great at the end of the movie, the, the guy that owns the house. I got two questions. A, where are the kids? <laughs> B, where are the coats? Where's my raincoat? <laughs> where are the four coats that were in here? Boy. So I had a problem with that. That, to me, really irked me. This film promotes thievery. On the highest level. This is touching something in your past, isn't it, Steve? This film also prom- promotes fucking closets that have worlds in them. <laughs> worlds with Turkish delight. Yeah, I never, heard, I'd never heard of Turkish delight before. So when uh, the first thing, like the the White Witch, uh, one of the boys goes into this into Narnia, and she asks him if he'd like anything, and he says he would like Turkish delight. And I thought this movie was about to get good. <laughs> we are back here. These are gross. You're not a big fan of red vines. Disgusting. No, they're terrific. Red vines are great. They're very good. How can no. you not like red vines? They're like a staple. Well, there's a-, a reason Amy why. Amy Mann sings a song about them. There's a reason why I don't like these red vines. It's because they're sick and disgusting. They have the consistency of a cardboard box. Okay. And all the flavor that goes along with it. Do you know who likes red vines? You're going to tell me. Communist Tarzan. <laughs> so you're saying I should like it because I'm a communist Tarzan collector? I'm just saying. I'm just throwing that in there for you. Okay. Well, these are gross, by the way. That's Tarzanikov. These are disgusting. Red vines, first of all, red vines are terrific. They don't have the consistency of a cardboard box. They have the consistency of, of like a, a rubbery... Item. It's like chewing on wax. It's vile. Vile. It's good though. They have. They have can't, they have, we can't agree with this. It's pretty good, right? <laughs> I don't even think Hitler would eat these red vines. That's how bad they are. Well, actually, he probably would eat those red vines. He would probably leap at the opportunity to be eating anything today. Really? So I mean, okay, if you you just compared Hitler to a frog. <laughs> see he conquered frogs see alright yeah it's true yeah. well done he also croaked there you go <laughs> pretty good right not bad he also hopped across a two dimensional street to get into a lily pad at the end <laughs> watch out watch out for the truck Hitler <laughs> that would be one fucking great video game guide Hitler through traffic because if you lose, you don't feel so bad because you've squashed Hitler. But if you win, hey, you've helped Der Fuhrer across the street. <laughs> that is 
<laughs> this, is, this might be my favorite conversation I've ever had. We're going to have Ted Levine on. Ted Levine. I think it's kind of nice that, you know, I don't think our show is, is huge, but still some, you know, Hollywood insiders will listen to it. And it's kind of nice to have someone that you really respect and like in movies to, yeah, I mean, to be on the show. I, and I don't know if he has the ability to greenlight films, but I know he has the, the ability to purchase groceries. Dr. Giggles is a gross, gross movie. All right, let's say that you were in charge of Hollywood, Steve. What are some of the things you would greenlight? Beverly Hills Giggles? <laughs> I would greenlight uh, Mannequin 3, for starters. That's a good crossover. No, it, it's a crossover. It's, a, it's its crossover own crossover. Mannequin and Saturn 3? It's his own crossover. <laughs> it's a fucking mannequin. That'd be great. A space station to see a fucking mannequin out there. That's odd. Would you? No, if you, if, if you were in charge, though, if you yeah. were the man, right. and you could, you could resurrect franchises and... I would team up. I would go best of the best and... Solaris. So- Soderbergh's version or the original? Soderbergh's. Okay. I, w- I would do Soderbergh because it looks better. And in this this type of uh, team-up, you would need a film that looks good. Basically, it's the best of the best crew. The original with Eric Roberts and, and Jimmy Earl Jones. Something tells me Chris Penn would be unable to join. We could do it CGI. You're dating this podcast. This is... Post, well, I mean, it's an, attract- been, it's he's an only attractive been, podcast. He's only been passed away for a week now. Yeah. So anyway, it, it, would be the be, it would be the best of the best crew taken on the planet. So was it Chris Penn in the best of the best? Yes. yes I know that Eric played, Roberts was, right? Yeah, Penn played like the cowboy type guy. Yeah. Anyway, best of the best versus Solaris. That would be the second film I, I greenlit after Mannequin 3. <clears throat> uh, what else would I do? Because this is going well. So I've got two hits on my hands. I would, I would combine the prophecy, and the bad news bears. Now, which prophecy? The one with Walken? Because the irony in the name. No, the the. Oh, right, the good prophecy. Yeah. Oh. So it would be like, Chico's bell. Somebody goes to Chico's bell bond and said, "Look, we need you to sponsor a team." <laughs> and they're like, "He's like, all right." And he throws the money. He doesn't realize what he's putting his money into. He goes to the ball game. <laughs> There's a bunch of fucking mutant bears on the field. <laughs> so your crossover makes more sense than mine. So I see now. I see now. These are the rules we're supposed to play by. All right. What other? I, I would. I, That's a good one. What about Top Gun and The Last Temptation of Christ? <laughs> okay, I guess. I guess there are no rules to this team up. <laughs> what about you, Justin? You got anything? Nothing. The only thing I could think of so far is, and I hate. I almost hate to say it, but I guess I have to. Is uh, Raging Bullworth. I mean, that's all I got. That's just. Yeah. I mean, look, I've been thinking and thinking. You know. <laughs> that's it. That's all I got. I'm not even gonna set it up. I was gonna There's go through this whole a... thing with like if Scorsese. Oh, if you want to do it like that to a bad movie, if you want to use it so that the names work, I mean, why don't we do the line, the witch, and the war games? <laughs> well, I'm not trying to push my rules onto you. I just I couldn't think of anything else. And I know it, I know it's great what I came up with. It just because now it's uh you know if we ran the movies type thing, we come up with the, the those titles. Remember like you used to do. I've I've always kind of wanted to, to 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 see robot jocks done right. So what about robot Clute? <laughs> what about what if Jean Claude 
Van Damme starred in a Children of the Corn movie. <laughs> Time Crop. <laughs> I'd see the shit. I'd see the shit out of that. <laughs> see, I would cross over Brotherhood of the Wolf and Pride and Prejudice because it's pretty much the same era, right about the same time. Is it the same era? Actually, no. It's like two hundred years difference, but still. It's back in the day. It was old, basically. Right. It's old. Anything pre-1900, So it's the same. what would it be called? That's a minor issue. Oh, well, yes. It would be called Brotherhood of the Wolf versus... <laughs> Pride and Prejudice? Yes. I'm not going to play your silly game. Oh. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm sticking to what got me here. I'm, I'm going to stick to what got me to the head of Hollywood. Hmm. I'm playing by my own rules. <laughs> I do a I do a, like a, a biopic uh, with Woody Harrelson. It'd be the people versus the under the stairs. <laughs> Wait a minute. Hang on, people the, versus the under the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> now I would see that. I agree. I would walk out on it, but I would see it. At least half of it. Could do uh, Jessica Alba in a kind of a you know like a seventies type drug drug picture into the blow. Yeah. <laughs> into the blow. <laughs> was it in the seventies or eighties? Was that movie set into the uh, or blow? It was stretched from the seventies through the eighties. Okay, so it's both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought that was good. What do you guys think? Excellent. I would do In the Heat of the Night Creeps. <laughs> That'd be great. Not, not In the Heat of the Night of the Creeps. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the They're both the good. Creeps. In Steve's studio, in Steve's studio. I would shorten the title. No, there's room enough for both in your studio. In the Heat of the Night Creeps. What is a night creep? <laughs> anyway, I would shorten the title, obviously. No, it, it works better. In the heat of... God dang, In hard. the heat of the night of the creeps? That's right. That's the one. <laughs> it's hard to say if you're an idiot. Boy. You could do a, a Kubrick president, presidential biopic. <laughs> okay. Barry Lyndon Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> it's, gr- it's great. Oh, you got it. You got it. That's great, actually. I would green light it. Is, you guys know any movies that have a beaver in it? I mean, you know what I'm talking about? Legit films? Because I was trying to come up with Mystic Beaver. Because I was trying to think of a war that ran the river, but I couldn't. What about you do like uh, you get Kurt Russell and John Help Carpenter back together, and they hook him up with uh, Lou Diamond Phillips. You get Escape from L.A. Bomba. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll segue right into after that shoot. We go right into use the same sets for Mystic Beaver. <laughs> it's like a Corman thing. He's the same sets. That's crazy. Mystic Beaver. That's yeah. not even a crossover, though. But no, I like I the title. I, it's not. It doesn't even rhyme. But 
I mean, think about it. Like you hear about a movie, a title. Sometimes you get excited. Sometimes you don't. Mystic this title, Beaver. This title get excited. Would, it would get me excited. This title. Yeah. Hmm. What do you think, Nick? You like that one? Or? I'd see Reservoir Snow Dogs. <laughs> I'd see Mystic Beaver. <laughs> it's hard to say. In the heat of the night of the creeps. It's not too difficult. The racial tension will be palpable in that, I'm sure. Yeah. That's right. Because the night of the creeps are obviously the new minority. I do. Not, not the creeps, but the, the <laughs> night of the creeps. <laughs> so it sounds like Ted Levine's on the phone here. Patching right. through, Joey. All right, Ted. Ted Levine, how you doing? This is Nick. How you doing? Ted Levine, ladies and gentlemen. All right, Teddy. Hey, he's on. He's on. Welcome to the podcast, uh, Mr. Levine. It's a pleasure. Um, uh, thanks well, for joining us, Yeah, man. Ted, try not to talk on us. We're professionals. Yeah, it's, that's not right, man. So, uh... Yeah, you can't be talking to Ted like that. No, I was, uh, I was telling okay, Nick... It's okay, I'm not as scary as I seem on TV. <laughs> I was telling Steve or Nick that it was not right to, to, to already, like, challenge our guest. Like, right. to give him a little etiquette. That's not right. It's okay. When you see me in the hills have eyes, you'll you'll be challenged. So, I mean, I mean, some of us here have respect for you and all the work you've done in the past. So well, like to, we don't want to come across as a bunch of arrogant and I, jerks. Actually, Ted, while you're on the phone, could we ask you um, to maybe give us a spoiler? For, for Hills of Eyes. For Hills of Eyes. Is that okay? Yeah, it depends on what it is. Uh, well, I mean, what, what I'm asking is, at the end of the film, do the hills end up having eyes? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's not an answer, I, I really. Guess. Let me, let me, I'm going to try to piece this together. Maybe he can spoil this for me. In the trailer, it looks like he gets killed within the first half hour of the film. Is it the first half hour or the first 45 minutes, Ted? Uh, I don't want to give it away, but I will say that I'm not the star of the film. Oh, yeah, I, I was talking about... I'm, I'm neither the hills or the eyes. Oh, I see. Well, that's good. That's, that's a good, good one. Thanks. Uh, now, uh, did um, did you guys ever get a chance to have Michael Berryman on set? Because I know that the guy that's playing his character, whose name eludes me, I think it's... Oh, no, it's Pluto. Whoever... Okay. Uh, is that Michael Berryman's character? Yeah, Michael Berryman's character. Is is Does he have a cameo? Uh... No, because uh, have you seen Michael Berryman? Are you, try, are you uh, trying just, to say that? Uh, um, well, he he was in what was he in? Devil's Rejects. Devil's Rejects. Yeah, he looked mighty good in that. Well, I mean, he looks like an older Michael Berryman, but I mean, he he never was that pleasant looking to begin with. Let's be honest. What, I think he's great. What are you talking about? What has age added to that? I think I think his career has gone down ever since he broke up with Echo. That. Musical act back in the was he was he in a musical act? Yeah, um, it's a little bit obscure for me. Echo, did, did Echo he ever in the Berryman? Oh shit! <laughs> 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 so you liked that one, huh? So uh, okay, that was probably not probably not. I probably went over Ted's head. No, he seemed to like it. And he got it. Didn't he? Didn't he get that Ted? So, like, Steve, do you have any questions? I mean, I'm trying to rack my brain. There's a couple I, I, I know I have, but they might take some time. So maybe I have a question for Mr. Levine. I, I, Mr. Levine, I would like to know, what was it like to not work with the nipples of Lily Sobieski in Joyride? Because you were never on screen with them, and later on in, on the DVD, you see them all over the place. What did it feel to be separated from them? Well, funny story about Joyride. Um, I wasn't originally signed to do that. Right, I understand. Uh, That's right. The Eric Roberts, yeah. I believe, was one of several who 
originally recorded the dialogue, I at the time was campaigning for the mayor position in uh, Omaha, Nebraska. I, I lost. Really? I, I, I was defeated. A couple of hanging chads? <laughs> that was, uh, was that a Silence of the Lambs joke? <laughs> Oh, he's pretty sensitive to that. It was a Chad McQueen joke, really. Uh, no, I didn't win. Oh, it's, it's a shame. I'm sorry to hear that. Because I certainly would have voted for you. I came in fourth. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, did you go with, by your real name, or did you have, like, a pseudonym? I, I was known as uh, acting sensation Mayor Ted Levine. What? You called yourself? <laughs> I came in fourth. <laughs> The guy who came in third <laughs> was a vending machine. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Mr. Levine. <laughs> Your name on the ballot. <laughs> was Mayor... Isn't that a little presumptuous to go ahead and <laughs> go ahead and call yourself mayor on the ballot? Don't you think that might have turned some voters away? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> but I figured if I had an acting sensation. Why didn't you use your name from Wild Wild West, though, like uh, Bloodbath? Bloodbath McGrath. Uh, big fan of the Wild West. <laughs> no, I'm a big fan of that name. Mm. But I think uh, by calling yourself mayor on the ballots was uh, a little off Well, I'll hire you to be my political campaign manager next time, cocksucker. Uh, oh. I'm not, I'm sorry. Steve, come on, Jesus. I mean, come on, Mr. Little. Uh, I came on to Joyride because Eric Roberts tested poorly, and they liked my voice from a myriad of very important films such as Heat's Michael Mann, Oscar winner. Uh, Mr. Levine just yelled at me. Oh. And then uh, we did uh, we did a couple of tracks. I think I did a good job. It's a good paycheck. Well, I like well, him. Mr. Levine, after after uh, being shot down like that, I I don't really have much else to ask you. I'm afraid. But you used to be one of my favorites. Ah, I think he's still great. I mean, he's uh, I mean he's you know. I, I, but Steve, you have to admit. I mean, the, he came in fourth. <laughs> what's up? What's up with what's the draw of Oklahoma, uh, Ted? Why why run in Oklahoma? It's vending machine. It was uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, I'm sorry. One of the O states. <laughs> Nebraska is an end state. <laughs> Wait, are you, telling, are you guys trying to tell me that Omaha's an end state? <laughs> that might be why he lost. My agent tells me to steer clear of the internet. Now I know why. No, Ted, come on. Give us a chance, man. A little slip up. Yeah, so Justin, what questions do you have for the man about his uh, his legendary resume? Why not run in Oklahoma? <laughs> All right, um, what was it like working with uh, Michael Mann on Heat? Funny story about Michael Mann. Uh, very meticulous behind the lens. Uh, he, uh, he insists that we not only do heavy research on our characters, we do hairy research. <laughs> I saw a couple of that guys. <laughs> I saw some of his films 
Mr. Research. <laughs> He's a good guy. <laughs> we need to get on here and see what Harry Research has got coming out. <laughs> I like him. Well, you should. Yeah, Michael Mann's very, very much into uh, <clears throat> assuming the roles. Uh, I feel like I could actually be a policeman. After doing heat, I actually got shot in the neck. Is that before or after you lost your uh, election? <laughs> this was before. Uh, I used some of my success from heat to springboard me into my political career. Nakashi, uh, uh, is the the proper word maybe not springboard? <laughs> I, I had a lot of momentum coming off of the Fast and the Furious. Uh, Let's, maybe momentum also not quite the choice you're looking for. Mr. Levine, uh, are you sporting any hair these days, or are you going with the bald look? Oh, I've got uh, some, some terrific hair. Oh, okay. So I guess you would not have run under the wig party. See, <laughs> you know, it's funny, in it's political little... circles, uh, a lot of wig jokes get cracked. Uh, but in the political circles, uh, people beat me. <laughs> well, especially if they're machines. What was it like working with uh, Travolta in Mad City? I mean, Mad City's a movie that not a whole lot of people saw, but that was kind of after Travolta hit it big with Pulp Fiction. Was he? Uh, did he have any ego on the set? I mean, was he a nice guy? John Travolta and I didn't spend a lot of time together in Mad City, uh, but what I saw of him was f fantastic. He was very kind. Uh, he was very accommodating, gave neck massages and shoulder massages, and he gave uh, face massages. <laughs> but I didn't really get to spend much time with him, because at that point, I wasn't really a household name yet. He was giving massages to the more important names in the film, per se. Not more important names, but maybe the, the people who are a little more famous, like Dustin Hoffman, I believe, was in that film. Actually, nobody really had much of an ego on Mad was it Was it Dustin Hoffman, Ted? Yeah, of course. Did he get massaged by Travolta? I, I'm sure. Travolta left no face unmolested. <laughs> I have a question about your character's name in Mad City. I, I see here that it was Chief Alvin Lemke. Now, when you were doing research for this, did you by any chance look up um, ex-Atlanta Braves second baseman Mark Lemke? Because, as we all know, everybody with the same last name is pretty much the same person. Actually, no. Uh, my original last name was... Uh, well, my whole, the whole character's name was a fabrication of my imagination. Uh, originally, he was called Steve Goddard. And uh, I thought that sounded too much like a Lee Marvin or Chuck Norris or Lee Norris type. But Mad City's not one I really care about talking about. How, was, how come? You used, to, you used to like the film? or It was before I was much of a name. Like I said, it was before I'd reached international stardom. And, uh, you know, I didn't really have the, uh, the group of crazy fans following me around at that point. <laughs> yeah, would you give a, you a name for those crazy fans? Some people have, like, names for their fans. You know. Uh, fans works for me. Don't need to spice it up for Ted Levine. <laughs> All right, see. So, all right. Well, What's your favorite film that you've worked on, Ted? Uh, well, I've gotten the most notoriety from uh, 
Probably from the Fast and the Furious. No, 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 no. Excuse me? The film right before that. Not right before that. I think you got most of your notoriety from a Jodie Foster film. Oh, The Science of Limbs? Well, yeah, yeah, but everybody thought I was a crazy psychopath after that. Yeah, but come on. That kind of made... Did did that not make you? That film. I mean, that, that film is... I mean, you gave a great performance in that film. I don't. I don't think you can uh, deny that. Sounds like you're trying to maybe kind of bury the that film a little bit. No, oh, I liked it. What's the it was, problem? It was good work. You know, uh, I had to play. I had to really dig deep into myself for that character because uh, Jonathan Demi uh, sent us to serial killer school, uh, and <laughs> you know, following a serial killer around and riding with them and no, wait, wait, going. Wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry to interrupt you here, but you said earlier that you felt like a cop. If you're riding around with a serial killer, why didn't you feel the need to do a citizen's arrest on him? I, I was in heat after. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Mm-mm. I see Actually, that. Actually, uh, it took me some time to to go around town without my penis between my legs. Well, look, when you were walking around with these serial killers, did you ever cut anybody up? Well, this is all for my work, so you know you're you're forced to sometimes go above and beyond. So if I look back. Add some headlines in the papers. I can see where somebody was gutted apart. I can probably pretty much say that's the work of Ted Levine right there. No. So you follow a serial killer. Did you ever masturbate onto some decomposing <laughs> corpses while eating a six-inch Subway sandwich? I don't remember the specifics. <laughs> I know that there are things my mother probably wouldn't be proud of me doing, but the performance speaks for itself. As you said, that's what made me. Well, I uh, think it made your name. It made. And then you went. Then you took that the momentum, as you kind of used that word before, and you um, took it and you propelled yourself into uh, Robin Williams' Flubber. <laughs> that was a, a very short. <laughs> couple of days of work and actually when we were shooting that film uh, we thought it was going to be something different we uh, we thought it was a, a serious film about uh, a, a, a goo that made people bounce <laughs> I thought that didn't Robin Williams for that to research that role ride around with the serial killer <coughs> isn't that kind of the story behind Flubber I think he rode around with Ted I had problems with Robin Williams on the set of that we've since reconciled but uh, on the set, we kind of, you know, just like uh, when you have method actors who, if their characters are opposites on screen, they tend to not be in communication behind the scenes. So uh, I took that as my uh, directive to, uh, I, I tried to rape him. <laughs> I, I, I've always heard that the reason for, <laughs> the reason for your... Uh, your friction on set was because you were always a better stand-up comic than Mr. Williams. Is that is that know. true at all? I always found Rob Williams to be quite entertaining. Yeah, but uh, I'm talking about you, though, Mr. Williams. I was, I was actually one of the ones who auditioned for Mork and Mindy. Uh, I did not get the part. <laughs> really? <laughs> Newsflash. <laughs> I only had access to a time machine. But uh, I still have the videotape of my screen test with Pam Dauber, <laughs> and I uh, cherish it. I think I would have made for 
uh, a terrific Mork. Because then you would have gotten. I to then work. auditioned for the Jonathan Winters role. Right. I did not get that. No, uh, I've got one more question. I've got one more they question. They said that I didn't have a intergalactic accent. <laughs> Mr. Levine, I, I personally, I only have one more question for and you. And that aliens don't have much Son of the free. My last question for you is very simply: Why did you do evolution? Evolution was a, uh, a vanity project for me. Uh, it was my idea. I, I took it to the filmmakers. I took it to David Duchovny and, and Orlando and Jones is a peep of mine. <laughs> what about a, 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 a what? I mean, it had to kind of be a dream come true. I mean, you, you pitched this comedy, then Ivan Reitman, who's been responsible for some great comedies, came on board to direct. Turned out he wasn't probably suited for it. Uh, how so? Are you saying, what, he wasn't the Reitman for the job? Good Lord. Sorry, Ted. You know what, though? If, if Ted is so good at pitching films... Yeah, yeah. I think we're kind of trying to figure out what happened with Evolution. Is this his idea? Well, it's, a, it's got a fan base. You know, it. Uh, we thought we were making something bigger and more epic, and it, it was edited heavily. With all due respect, it does not have a fan base, but I, I know of only one human being who likes the film. Well... I like how Steve's challenging our only guest we've ever had on the show. Like you have some like contentious shit with. Uh, well, look, Ted. the man yelled at me earlier. All I right. didn't yell at you. I just I think you belittled my political aspirations. It was not my intention. Here's my question about that: Why you said it's a vanity project, and you took the idea to the studio and all this stuff? Why cast yourself with the uh, with uh, you know ha- having a part that has three lines? I mean, that's that's your dream project. Or? Why didn't you play the evolution? Did you just want to see it come to fruition? Because you were just very excited about the idea. Well, uh, it was my idea. I didn't want to star. Uh, I know that usually when I headline, uh, I tend to get too much of the attention, and I wanted it to be an ensemble. When you headline, <laughs> when is that? Oh, I do a lot of off Broadway. Uh, during my political campaign, I was doing summer stock. I'm have a, you gone back to stand-up at have all? Have you actually headlined in those, though? I'm trying to look at a movie where you may be a star because I'd like to see that. Was he the star of Ali? I, I think a not. very small part in yeah, Ali. I, I Michael think, Mann and I, I, I sparked not. a very big friendship on Heat, something that will pay off massive dividends in the future. Oh, here you go. Here, This is, this is where you were the lead. I see it. The Mangler. That's it. Interesting film to make. Uh, very much uh, well it was during the Robert England era uh, in film so he tended to steal the spotlight it seems you were you played a cop in that as well uh, now you, you I, were I come in... off as an authority figure if you meet me in person you'll think shit guys, <laughs> the guy is a cop right but look in the mangler you were charged with hunting down and prosecuting the mangler which turned out to be a machine now, you have something against machines, obviously, you, having been beaten by one in a political election. Did your dislike of them stem back to the Mangler? Uh, no, the Mangler was just a paying job. And actually, uh, I must correct you on something. Uh, I don't actually arrest and handcuff the Mangler <laughs> in that film. Uh, I am devoured by it. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected. I apologize if I confuse any of our listeners. And you, you, I learned a lot about acting that day. 
when I was eaten by a laundry machine. Because I've worked in, you know, Shakespeare and uh, with Michael Mann, an Oscar winner who I've sparked a fantastic friendship with. Uh, but I was, I was eaten by laundry. <laughs> Actually, uh, Ted, it was a possessed machine, though. I mean, it wasn't just a laundry machine. It was a Satan machine. Uh, well, you know, some say tomato. <laughs> so, wait. Some say tomato, others say Satan. <laughs> some say the mangler. What, what, you know, what one thing is to you is different to someone else. Just like, uh, you know, the Fast and the Furious is what it really kick-started my younger fan base. My The, the youth of America discovered me, per se, with the Fast and the Furious. The fan mail that I've gotten since that film has been primarily young women. Is it hard with the tabloids? Uh, I, I travel under uh, an assumed name. Uh, I mean, is it hard that they don't cover you? <laughs> <laughs> I've done a good job of keeping my lo- my skeletons in the closet so that the paparazzi uh, don't follow me. Uh, and I... I do a good job of diverting people. Did you... Sorry. Did you become fast friends with Pat Swayze back when you made Next of Kin? I had such a small part on Next of Kin. Funny story about that movie. Apparently, Uh, there's a funny story about every film. Well, when you work... Sorry, I'm sorry. When you work in this business, uh, you see everything. Would you mind telling us a funny story regarding Next of Kin? Uh... 90% 90% of my Buffalo Bill character was based on Adam Baldwin. Oh, Adam Baldwin was a heavier in that film, correct? Yeah, he was medium build. <laughs> are you guys... Now, now, that guy, I like that guy in movies. Are you friends with him? You talk to him still? What's going on? No, I, it's a shame because he's a B-grade actor and we don't often get paired together now. Uh, but if he ever gets a big break, I hope to see him again. Well, he's just in that that the Serenity film that was uh, not not a hit, but I wouldn't call it a B grade film. Did you see that? Um, I was offered the role of uh, one of the villains, uh, and I read the script, and uh, frankly, I, I felt it was subpar space hunter crap. Minus the Forbidden Zone. Yes, and uh, I didn't see a part suitable for Peter Strauss. <laughs> so what? What's next on the agenda? You got? I got the Hills Have Eyes, which yeah. is coming out this year. Uh, I'll be doing uh, a one-man play <laughs> called Levine, Las Vegas. Uh, kind of a, a little bit of musical act, some comedy, uh, and then I will tuck my cock between my legs and run out into the crowd. <laughs> well, you got the you do have uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. That's a Brad Pitt film. Uh, Sam it's Rockwell. a Ted Levine film. Well, you know, I mean, Brad Pitt. <laughs> that's also a short title. But you, but you, are you excited to be in that film? Uh, so there's some there's kind of minor buzz about that film. It's I was given one command in this film. They said, "Lend your gravitas to this, Ted." Would you? And I also see that you were in, uh, and I didn't know this guy, I didn't see this film, 
uh, Memoirs of a Geisha. Yes, I played a military man uh, dealing with this, uh, dealing with these, you know, the, the women of the peace. And uh, honestly, I, I did it as a favor to my friend, uh, the the lovely Zhang Zi, uh, who, if I was not married, uh, I'd probably be fucking her corpse. So you, wait, wait, she's not dead though, Ted. I mean, are you, are you telling me you're gonna revert back to your serial killer ways? Because I think she's a lovely broad. I think you should you should let her be. Oh, she's she's a fantastic actress. I I, I really have my fingers crossed that she'll win an Oscar this year uh, because you know she's Asian. Well, that's good. And I, I believe that Asians are people, and they they should be treated the same way. Now, tell me again how you lost your mayoral election. Uh, well, I mean, there's. It could have been one of many things. Uh, I think part of the problem was I came into the race late. I started campaigning six years before the election. <laughs> I had a. Uh, Are you even from Nebraska, Mr. Levine? I, I, you don't have to be from Nebraska to campaign in Nebraska. Uh, you have to have uh, a working. It looks like it working, might help, though. Working nervous system. I was beat by a man who uh, recently got out of prison for uh, <laughs> for seeing for, one of your films for setting fire to the upholstery of his mother. Well, is that it, though? I mean, I think I'm out of questions, personally. No, I, think, I mean, yeah, maybe we're uh, finished with the interview. Any, any other, uh, you know? Well, I, I do want maybe to a say, last story or something. Well, I, I, no, at first I would like to say. And, the reason I'm doing all of this publicity is for my share in this lawsuit. Um, I really think that uh, I need the support from the community because uh, Vin Diesel has very, very powerful attorneys. Rob Cohen, very powerful attorneys. Uh, and I really think that you know the, the grassroots movement understands that Fast and Furious succeeded primarily because of what I call the Levine factor. So you're in a you're in a is it it's a Fast and the Furious lawsuit? Yeah, it's it's uh, there was uh, three hundred million dollars that was kind of instead of being given to myself went directly into the pockets of the people who paid for the movie and who invested their money into it. And well, frankly, that's not what America is about. And that's not what Ted Levine is about. Well, so you're in this lawsuit, and it's it's three people battling it out for the money, or you know, it, and it's Vin Diesel, yourself. Vin Diesel, who is actually a fine actor. Okay, and who's the third party? Rob, Rob Cohen, the director. The director. Yes. <clears throat> now let me ask you, what happened? To, why isn't Paul Walker uh, involved in the suit? Uh, Paul Walker actually distanced himself from the Fast and Furious uh, because. He, he first of all he he knew that he wasn't the reason it was such a big success. It was you naturally. It was me, but also Paul Walker. Um, I lured him to the side with a uh, a, a string and a, and a ham, a ham on a string, <laughs> and he followed it off into the woods. A Devi string, devious, yeah. A string and a ham. 
that's all it takes to lure Paul you, Walker. Now you work with him. I mean, you didn't work with him, but you you you'd been in a joyride with him before. Had you guys had that kind of bond? Please understand that joyride was a. I I didn't exist. I came in during post production. By then, Paul Walker had moved on. You don't have to ask me, please. I mean, I'll understand it. You don't have to ask me nicely to understand that. But did you have that kind of bond with him anyway? I mean, that that movie's pretty good. I, I like that film. Is it John Dahl? Who's, who's that movie? It was John Dahl. Yeah. Fabulous filmmaker. We struck a very quick friendship. Um, but then you didn't know Paul Walker before Fast and Furious. Is this correct? I met Paul Walker. Um, actually, uh, interesting story. Uh, <laughs> Paul Walker and I are both Buddhists. And uh, I met him at a, a Buddhist uh, festival. <laughs> You don't want to get specific. It's well, just a festival, right? I, I tend to feel when major stars discuss their spirituality or political views, it tends to uh, cheapen them. Yeah. And the last thing I want to do is 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 put a, a black eye on the the the, the round uh, yellow face of Buddhism. Which is why. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> Which is why I'm very. It's why I'm glad. You did not tell us what political party you ran under for your mayoral election. I'm glad you didn't tell us that because it just wouldn't be right. So, so what what political party did you run under? No, don't tell us that. I don't want to know. Uh, I have. I'm an independent. Uh, I felt like democracy is not for me. think that uh, there are certain things about <laughs> it sounds funny coming out of my mouth but uh, I think that um, I, I did a lot of observation of polar bears in the wild and I found that their habits were very conducive towards a, a, an idyllic existence so I kind of based my political party on uh, the way polar bears interact is that for an upcoming role that you've been no, it's observing? His, <clears throat> no, no, it's for his political. This so is Ted Levine, the man behind the behind the mask. Okay. Do you have plans in the future uh, for a future run at the office? Do you ever think it maybe a larger scope, that maybe, maybe a senator? Well, they, what I've been told is it's good to have uh, a victory to parlay. <laughs> but in lieu of that, uh, yes, I do plan on taking it to a higher level. I think what I might do is uh, is wait a, a couple of years as my legend masses, and then and then do what Reagan did before me, and and be the president, or maybe even the the prime minister of, of America. <laughs> well, look, if you ever in if you are ever in need of a political advisor, you can always call me. I'll be glad to help you out. I can guarantee you will not lose to a vending machine again. Uh, I, I think part of the reason I lost was my running mate. Um, <laughs> Who would that have been? Well, I had to fire my first one halfway through. It was Brian Dennehy. <laughs> Wait, did you did you fire him or did he die? I fired him. Okay, good. I think Brian Dennehy still... He, is, he, was, he was in uh, Assault in Precinct uh, 13. He died in uh, Tommy Boy. Another film with political side effects. No, I actually ran, uh, my running mate was, uh, and I didn't know this at the time, but my running mate 
was uh, number two on the most wanted list. Uh, he is the arson rapist. <laughs> the the arson rapist. Did this come out before or after the election? Oh, this came out uh, actually after I lost. <laughs> <laughs> So that might not have been the reason you lost. It's bad luck. Um, Did you go to any debates? I I was I went to six debates. Um, they were held at Ted Levine's house. Let me let me rephrase the question. Did you <laughs> participate in any debates? I did uh, myself uh, right. and. Uh, the vending machine had a moment. Uh, but of course the machine is going to get more votes because it keeps giving out bags of chips. What, what did you have for the people? I dispensed advice and I dispensed goodwill. Hope? All he dispensed was Fanta. What were they called? What were the Travers called? The Graboids, yeah. Thanks to Mr. Ward. The, Ward. Tr the Tremors. I love that. Mr. Ward. <laughs> Fred Ward. Oh, okay. Nobody's ever called him Mr. Remo. Ward. <laughs> Mr. Ward. <laughs> Tell you what, that's a guy, if you met him, you would not be starstruck. I was being respectable. You know, respectful. There are some, I mean, it is impossible to be starstruck with Fred Ward. No, no, no. no. Unless, he, unless he hit you with his car. If you, if you're an offender bender, you would be struck by him. He wouldn't necessarily be a star. You would be, you'd be, Fred Ward struck. I would be in awe having met Henry James. The yeah. guy who played Henry James. What was that movie? Henry and June. Henry and June. Henry and Great. Henry and Horrible. <laughs> the movie is dips. You're thinking of the serial killer. That's a um, that's a new that's an early nude Uma Thurman film. I think that was the first NC seventeen. I don't film. know if that can be qualified as horrible. It's it's not good. Fred well, Fred Ward, not the Lord of Eroticism. Really? <laughs> he didn't break out his graboid. I, no, no. I mean, he warded off any good feelings I had, and he was bald as a fucking dream. <laughs> Damn it! What the hell? What does that mean? What the? He's bald <laughs> as a dream. <laughs> What happened to our sound? Could be the oddest thing ever to have been said, but about Fred Ward. <laughs> we went to see Hostel. We went because I would have never heard the end of it if we didn't. Well, I wanted to see it. You needed to see it, and you did, and you enjoyed it. A little, a little background. The last time Justin talked me into going to see a movie. I wanted to see Brokeback Mountain. He said, let's go see Wolf Creek. Well, I heard that... Either way, people got fucked in the ass. <laughs> it was us. With in, in denim. Right? <laughs> Your Canadian tuxedo. What do you mean? They got a lot of denim in that Brokeback poster. Really? Yeah. What's up with that? They had a lot of denim in the Indiana Jones films. <laughs> Jesus... Speaking of Brokeback Mountain, he would have been good in that film. <laughs> yeah. Um, Marcus Blomey. A little too much, a little too much. That's my complaint about Brokeback. A little too much denim in the poster. Really? Yeah. There was a little bit of denim in King Kong too. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Welcome. 
Um, so, but instead of seeing Brokeback Mountain, which is a legitimate film with legitimate people, and it also has naked chicks. Brokeback does it, doesn't it? Are you yeah. sure? Yes, I'm positive. You didn't see it, though. You no, heard. but I've, I've gotten good word from good people. Okay. Um, so, Wolf Creek was shit. I mean, yeah, we saw Wolf Creek. I mean... It, People have been talking about that movie. I fell for that with um, high tension. High tension, and I fell for it again with Wolf Creek. Both of them let me down. In fact, although actually, you know what? I like Wolf Creek better than High Tension. I, I, high Tension is like one of the worst. Where does me. society rank it in all this? Society's up there. All right. So Wolf Creek was disappointing, even though a lot of people loved it. Well, the thing that disappointed me about Wolf Creek was it was okay until it, and until the ending came and it didn't resolve itself at all. It was just kind of this throwaway ending that didn't make that much sense to the me. The first guess, 15 minutes of the movie was wasted time. I mean, yeah. there's build-up that's good. It's all build-up, yeah. Yeah, but build-up is supposed to get you interested. Mm-hmm. Now, the bad guy was kind of good. All I wanted to see was these people die mm-hmm. by the time... I mean, I was like, I don't care about them. I don't like this 50 minutes we've spent together. I want them away. Yeah, it was just kind of what... I think those movies don't have to follow a certain pattern, but... If they don't follow that pattern, they, they kind of have to do something interesting at the end. This one just kind of ended. It was like, um, you know, it was just it was like the end of Unbreakable, where Unbreakable is a pretty. I mean, Unbreakable is a better movie, but it, it had the ending that just kind of left you cold. It was just kind of about that text. Yeah, yeah. The kind of Wolf Creek does that as well. That's true. Um, nope. But Wolf Creek had that girl that was cute. She looked like. Uh, Mercerino. Yeah, she that was. girl who is cute. She's cute. That's all you and have she to say about her. As cute as the girls. What I liked about her was she was in trouble, and then the bad guy started getting destroyed or hurt. She would always laugh like maniacally, like she was so happy to see him get like cut. I liked that part of her performance. I thought I hated. And then she got destroyed. Yeah, but <laughs> there's no way that they would have that he would have been able to survive. The what? Because those, it's just a, one of those traditional movie things. You oh know, yeah, yeah. They, they have him they down. They hurt him and they don't kill him. Yeah. Um, yeah. You got to chop that guy up when he's when he's been threatening your life, and you get him on the ground. You got to take here's pliers to his testicles. Here was my first clue that he might have been serious. Was the torso hanging in his garage? <laughs> <laughs> At that point, maybe you should separate his head from his neck. You're you like, know? you know what? This guy might have a work ethic. What's the problem? I had the same thing. A garage, I mean. He wasn't liking people too much, that guy. He's pretty charismatic. I like him. But um, uh, Hostel is a little different. Yeah? It's not as much a cop-out to me as Wolf Creek or High Tension. Uh-uh. Or, I mean, it does the same thing that Wolf Creek does, though. At the beginning, the first 40 minutes are spent with these friends that are just traveling, the, you know, you know, overseas traveling, Amsterdam, having fun, doing drugs. Big difference. Hooking up with the ladies. There's a lot of nudity. Oh, yeah, there wasn't any nudity in Wolf Creek. Very much appreciated, too. Although that torso wasn't clothed <laughs> in Wolf Creek. He wasn't wasn't a bashful piece of right. hanging meat. The first 40, so, uh, yeah, first 40 or so or so minutes of uh, Hostile were shite. Except for and, the nudity. And House, and House of Wax, which I liked this year, or 2005, I liked House of Wax, and House of Wax does that, too, where you, you, have, you, you start the movie with this group of friends, Traveling, just traveling somewhere—it's kind of like the new horror start, you know. How hard is it to not at least make a few likable characters? I mean, look at American Wealth in London. Right. That movie was kept afloat by great characters. Well, I think that's uh, yeah. This tried it, to be that for the a thing while, is I that's think. just great writing as opposed to 
Hostel doesn't need necessarily have great writing, and it doesn't. I mean, it has other things that are more interesting. It doesn't even have... Not only does it not have great writing, but it doesn't have great acting either, but what, which what, is the problem. What Roth tried to do with, with the start of... Um, Eli Roth. Eli Roth, uh, the director of Hostel, tried to do was he tried to create this realistic... Uh, you know, idea of these guys going overseas to have fun, have, you know, like, you know, sex or do drugs and just kind of, you know, be immoral or whatever. And, and uh, you know, he, he tries to paint that as it kind of like a fantasy sequence in a way, but, you know, he tries to make it realistic. And, and that, that he wants you to care about those characters, you know, when, when they get put drills to. We don't. Do you think... I think it's somewhat effective. Do you think that Eli... Packs a wallock, <laughs> but I think, but I think American Werewolf in London is a lot different because I think that's just great writing and and those from the minute those guys talk, they're best friends at the beginning of that movie. You know, they are yeah. best friends and, and that's just a great representation. If you let me ask you something, if you were making a, if if you were going to make a film nowadays, who would you rather have, Roth or Khan? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a lot. That joke would work a lot better if no, there was like a, if there was a con. I like it, Scott or James. Oh Jesus, um, <laughs> Jesus con who? <laughs> Magnificent chest. Where's on that, Ted Levine when I need him? Um, so yeah, the thing about Hostel is that it builds up, builds up, builds up, and then teases a little bit, and it's got some genuine moments of. Thanks no, to thanks to Nicotero. It's funny because there really are no moments of dread though before the before Kurtzman, right? I think it was Kurtzman, not Burger. Can't remember. Like I, I intentionally didn't pay attention. I knew it was going to be a horror movie, but I didn't pay attention to anything about Hostel. The trailers were really didn't really tell you much either, other than you know people are going to get tortured. I thought we were done talking about tension. <laughs> but uh, you know when you know basically when the horror starts happening, you know it, you know one of their friends goes missing. You, you know you, it, they, there's no dread leading up to that moment. I mean it's all partying and having fun until. All of a sudden, they're kind of concerned. Where's their friend? The thing I do appreciate about Hostel more than High Tension uh, and Wolf Creek is the same thing, but I don't think it succeeded. Is that it? It's real life scares. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's just creepy fuckers. There's no supernatural. There's no uh, split personality bullshit twist ending. You know, it's just mean people. And of course, you find out exactly what the motivation is and all that. But you don't want to give that away. I don't. No, the motivation is uh, to scare, to scare, uh, and honestly, I think on, I think we're we're the minority that we're jaded kind of film. You know, we've seen a lot of it, and we you know, we we have different expectations, and we also the movies that inspired Eli Roth, the stuff from Japan, the stuff from Italy. It's obvious that that's. I mean, he's he's not really. I don't think he's paying homage as much as kind of like trying to play in the big boys' playground a little bit. You know, I think like he's a he's a fan who is making movies and he's doing a decent job. And it's maybe that's why Tarantino likes him. Maybe you know? so. But I'm, I mean, I, I, I'm not convinced he's like a, a true horror voice. Yeah, but I think this is a step up from Cabin Fever. It's a sure. huge step up. But he's head. not done anything wholly original or that's something you could, you could point to and say that that's something Eli Roth would do because he's too intent on copying other people. At least that's the impression I get. Well, I mean, I'll tell you what, I, th I think a lot of that's marketing too. Because if if nothing, he's been marketed very well. I mean, he's he he's been caught on camera with the masters of horror guys, all those big names, all the legends, and all that. And he's kind of gotten lumped in with that group. He's got the fan community behind him, the online community behind him. It's just and the Peter Jackson quote on Cabin Fever was the unkindest cut of all. Um, it's just 
What do you mean? Uh, you know, he said Peter Jack. There's a big Peter Jack. He liked. He loved her. Loved right? Captain. Yeah. Peter. And I think I think they misheard him. I think he said, "I like Captain Stabbing," but who doesn't, right? I don't like him. Oh, um, but there's some good gore, and there's some great nipples. In a, and there's actually absolutely uh, plentiful right. nudity, plentiful drug use, plentiful profanity. Yeah, the last half of the film's a lot of gore in it. But I think you know what's lacking, though, um, and Steve brought it up too, is that yeah, it's not. Oh, it's not the, the dialogue is not sharp or anything. It's not like it's this. The, the tone is like it's like is George Lucas. It, it? It's like George Lucas did a pass on the script. The dialogue is horrible. The acting. I don't. Is, I think it's passable. I don't think it's horrible. It's just nothing to. It's not memorable. And the the movie I think is. It, I like the movie and, and it's but it's not one of those movies that I'm gonna go. You know, I need to. See, I need to sit down with my buddies and watch Hostel. You know, it's not. A, it's not a fun movie or anything. It, it, there's some fun moments in it, but. Um, There's a lot of non-fun moments too. Some, mm-hmm. some kind of a comfortable, some vomit. Yeah, ball gag vomit. Actually, it? I think it's here's the thing. I'll give give Roth. I I cannot believe he got an R rating with that. No, oh, you're right. I mean, to me, in the '70s, that's a it's not it's not a PG-13, but it's it's a movie. It's just a, he a did movie. hide a lot. The, when right when the damage is about to occur, though, a lot of times he would he would cut away or hide it. Yeah. So I guess you can expect the DVD to be pretty more. Uh, Pretty much more intense. It's gonna be a, if if that if there's a different cut than we saw. I mean, they got away with a lot in this. I think. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, they got. I, I don't know what he did or how they how they presented it to the MPAA, but if there's anything to say that that uh, Hostel did right was that it delivered a legitimately gory and old school horror you know experience. It also has some good sound in it. I mean, some good sound effects, like especially on the gore. Like with the drills going into the Well, there's the bone. a lot of stuff where, yeah, like the, with the with the empty rooms too. I think one of right. like Devin on the Chud, on the Chud review made a comment that he accomplished a lot with the, with the with the moments where you're not seeing anything but rather hearing them. The only thing is the score. It was a very. It was actually a an actual movie score, but it was very out of place, and I'm sure that was intentional. But it was very out of place. In the I like, like I said, I like the 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 like the. The Slavic pop songs or whatever they were using. In it. Yeah, but there was some out of place swelling, swelling moments like when they when they come across the the village for the first time. You talking about the girl's eye? No, I was talking about no. my, my pants after all the nudity bits. But when they first come across the the, uh, the village, it's like th- this this music swells out of nowhere. It's it's speaking completely of, different. Speaking of coming across a village, King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so King Kong comes out next week. Uh, it is one of the more actually I I would I wouldn't even say it's one of the more anticipated films of the year because I'm not noticing a lot of people really I think it's one of the more hyped films of the year yeah I think people are pretty excited about it I don't even know if they're I don't think they're excited about it I think think everybody plans to see it and they know it exists but I can't I don't see a lot of other than like super hardcore fans I don't see a lot of people rabid about it I think people are I mean I think people are going to flock to that film I don't I don't know I mean I, I had next to no interest in seeing it uh, before going in, I mean, I knew, you know, of course, we're doing this, but I had to see it. Otherwise, I'm not really certain I would have gone out to theaters to have seen it. I probably would have waited for DVD or something like that. But, uh, but then again, you never saw the original. No, exactly. I don't. I didn't have any any emotional investment in it in this one. So yeah, but this movie can't rely solely on people who've seen the original. It's got to be relying on that is true because it's, it's not been on. It, it's got to rely on the massive Colin, was it Colin Hanks fan base? I can right, imagine. Right. I imagine it, it had been on VHS, right? Yes, of course. it was. Okay, they just released it on DVD. Though. I know it was recent on DVD. A big, a big to do. 
But, but it is it is a heavy. It's an emotional movie, and it's a very weighty movie because. Well, and it's know. all it's also old school, which I think is going to throw some people off. There's a very old adventure type feel to this. I mean, it's a period movie. Some of the stuff, uh, like some of the stuff set in New York City in the 30s, has a slightly heightened air to it. Um, and then there's a few moments that are unashamedly, rom- you know, uh, emotional. That in the theater we were in last night had some people snickering. Yes, because this film is an adventure movie. Like you One said, guy was Milky Way. This is not. This movie is not meant to represent reality. And people in the theater, <laughs> really, the, the, the big well, no, it ape was the big giveaway. Okay, it, it's it's almost reality. I mean, I I can buy the the giant ape on top of the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> you can buy that at Insurrection. <laughs> but. <laughs> I mean, come on, biplanes. What they weren't even biplanes. They were they were planes during uh, near the Great War, actually, <laughs> flying around the ape. But uh, anyway, it, the people in our theater were are, were among the worst audiences. There was this laughing. one guy behind us after everything that was violent. Go, damn. Yeah, he was. Uh, it, it all depends on the intelligence of the audience. You see it, and otherwise, it's best to see it by yourself. There's a there's a lot of dinosaurs in this movie. Uh, I mean, like yeah. The dinosaur stuff was great. The, the, the yeah. scene with the T-Rex is, is one of the best action moments. That's what they're saying. They, I read an, a little article that compared that sequence to some of the great action scenes of all time, the most memorable ones, at least. Like uh, yeah, They referenced the, the scene from Heat. You know, the, the, the scene where, you know, uh, these, where the, the Hank two scenes Azaria are, gets interrogated. <laughs> the two scenes are very much alike. Yeah, right. They're really very similar. <laughs> I thought this was a, a different remake at first. He's got a great ass. <laughs> Kong does. Oh man. Yeah, you Kong's see got it. some back. That that battle among the vines was great. Well, that, yeah. Not to give anything away, but we've already spoiled the whole film. Who cares? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, so we don't usually do that on the show. Give too much away about. The but movie the, we're talking but I mean, about. There, there's stuff in this movie where there's if no you've seen the trailer. How do you spoil King Kong? All right. Well, just in that battle with the T-Rexes, or the V-Rex, excuse me, um, there are uh, there are things that I didn't expect to see. There's stuff that I haven't seen before. And it's it, it's a sprawling fight. And yeah. granted, there's a certain Rube Goldberg quality to it where things kind of work together, you know, to kind sure. of make the yeah. thing more dramatic and all that. Things narrowly missing or narrowly hitting or whatever. But that's, but that's the adventure great. genre. I yeah. mean, that's, that's the type of movie this is supposed to be. And, the, it, and it totally works. The people who are not going to appreciate this movie are, are the really, really cynical people who who don't remember the films like you know, like the Harryhausen movies and the uh, and the old adventure serials and and uh, you know, you know, like uh, you know their own their and own the, the pulp, the stuff that they grew up on. There's the people a very, who people who just don't do not get the overall feel of the film because there's some it. moments. There's like some moments where um, you're. You know, like there's a scene that t- takes place in Central Park on the ice that is sweet. It's yeah. That some people will probably laugh at for the wrong reasons. Sure. And there's a scene like uh, you know the relationship between Kong and Ann Darrow. Sure, the sex scene got a little out of hand. <laughs> it's <laughs> way better than Team America. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, people are not. I mean, there are people that are not going to appreciate it. But that, but the genre, the adventure genre, doesn't prepare you for any sort of emotional involvement. I mean, you watch even. An Indiana Jones movie, you don't get emotionally involved in that film, and in this movie, you really do because Kong is such a presence. That yeah, but you like ha- this guy and, and Watts, right? I mean, Watts has to. She's, I think, Watts is a great actress, and and she she has to do her part in that relationship. I mean, in, in the acting, is she is she good? She's yeah, she is good. I mean, she's very good, and she does a lot more looking than she does talking, and she's really Which there. Is what to, that character kind of does, though. Exactly, she's there to draw you into the film, and she does so very well. Uh, the only thing that kind of I thought was funny is she she comes out remarkably well 
considering the abuse she takes in this movie. Yeah. She gets thrown through the <laughs> forest and punched through trees. And she, she, I mean, like, it's a miracle that Anne Darrow wasn't like a... Like, this movie would have been a lot different if Kong had run through the jungle and he winds up at his lair and he's got this pulpy bit of girl in his hand. Like, like a, an arm and a vagina. That was the old Peter Jackson. <laughs> now, is it like the original where... Um, <laughs> is it like the... Did they keep the part in the original where... Wait. Um, Kong kept the best bits then. <laughs> he kept the two good parts. <laughs> she could service herself if she needs to. <laughs> anyway, what? No, I was just wondering if they kept the, the part, like in the original, um, that character, whenever she, that character masturbates his hairy prince, <laughs> does, does she... <laughs> is that, how, how was that updated? Which part? When she masturbates the, the shit out of his juicy fruits. It is still stop motion. <laughs> they, but they use the internet. They're downloading. Does she Kong unveil his gargantuan cock in slow motion? Is what I'm wondering. What? Oh. There is no uh, gorilla jerk off in this movie. All right. There is a scene where she is bathed in his ejaculate. <laughs> she's, she's bathed in his ejaculate yeah I mean it's, it's yeah. a close up of her just smiling in the sunlight as she's covered in hot hot hot, hot primate magma me thinks this will be cut out <laughs> it's a savage land wait a minute <laughs> you say? I read the script and I, you know it's funny because in the script it, they did so much in the movie with they it improvised the script that, just that was a, improvised and Daryl it's covered in ape cum. But they, it's like a 15-minute sequence in the film. They really improvised. It's like the legendary spider lair from the first film. Isn't that right? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's just like that. It's exactly You have like to that. kind of fill in the blanks a little bit because they don't show it, you know, right on. Yeah. You just <laughs> you see her crawling into this big... Soft, meaty hole. <laughs> and then you see her riding a crest of water across the sky. 